Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Poet's Table. My name is Austin Smith, and I'm looking forward to spending this half hour with you this morning talking about the life and work of a great American poet, the poet Ted Kuzer. Ted Kuzer is well known for being one of our great Midwestern voices. His work uh, celebrates the places and people of the state of Nebraska mostly. He was chosen as Poet Laureate uh, several years ago now, and he was one of the very first poets chosen for that position from the Great Plains, perhaps the only poet from the Great Plains to be given that great honor of being America's Poet Laureate. Just to tell you a little bit about Ted Kuzer and where he came from, he was born on April 25, 1939 in Ames, Iowa, and he attended Iowa State University and went on to the University of Nebraska for a master's degree. Ted Kuzer is kind of a unique poet in that he worked for many years outside of academia. Most poets hold teaching positions, but Ted Kuzer was actually a life insurance executive. And uh, now he teaches part-time at the University of Nebraska in Lincoln. And Ted Kuzer is also uh, very well known as a, um, a supporter of other poets, particularly younger poets, through his work with the University of Nebraska Press and a poetry column that runs in a syndicated manner in many uh, newspapers across the country, um, which is called American Life in Poetry. I had the honor of actually having a poem of mine selected for this uh, for this series, in which uh, a poem is introduced by Ted and uh, included in newspapers all across America, and that allows um, people to basically be presented with a poem and with a very, very um, elegant and gracious uh, introduction by Ted Kuzer. So it was one of the great honors of my life to have a poem of mine chosen for that, for that series. But today, the focus is not on myself, but on Ted Kuzer's poems. Maybe I'm sort of returning the favor here by uh, featuring Ted Kuzer's poems on this on this episode of Poet's Table. I've chosen three poems that I thought we could think about a little bit today. And by think about, I mean read them, talk a little bit about how they work. And as I'm always going to try to do on this show, I'm going to offer some ideas for how you might imitate uh, one or several of the poems I share in your own work. And the idea behind this is to, of course, appreciate the poems that I share with you, but also to find ways in which they can be generative for our own poetry if we decide to take up the pen ourselves. It's also perfectly okay to just enjoy Ted Kuzer's poems. And, uh, but I feel like his poems being quite accessible, being quite, I would say, and I don't mean this in any kind of negative way, plain spoken, um, really uh, allow us, I think, into the poem in a way that is very, very um, accessible and it allows us, I think, to see ways forward in our own work. So let's begin by uh, thinking a little bit about Ted Kuzer and his career uh, generally. So 
he himself does not consider himself a regional poet, though his work is often um, located in the state of Nebraska. And indeed, the first poem I'm going to share is called This is Nebraska. Um, but I think that it's an interesting uh, question about you know which, which poets proudly identify themselves as regional poets and which poets uh, feel that maybe that is somehow a limiting or reductive uh, definition. So let's consider this poem, This is Nebraska by Ted Kuser. And uh, we can talk about how this poem celebrates a particular locale, but also reaches out into more universal subjects. So this is Nebraska by Ted Kuser. The gravel road rides with a slow gallop over the fields, the telephone lines streaming behind its billow of dust full of the sparks of red-winged blackbirds. On either side, those dear old ladies, the loosening barns, their little windows dulled by cataracts of hay and cobwebs, hide broken tractors under their skirts. So this is Nebraska, a Sunday afternoon, July. Driving along with your hand out, squeezing the air, a meadow lark waiting on every post. Behind a shelter belt of cedars, top deep in hollyhocks, pollen, and bees, a pickup kicks its fenders off and settles back to read the clouds. You feel like that. You feel like letting your tires go flat, like letting the mice build a nest in your muffler, like being no more than a truck in the weeds, clucking with chickens or sticky with honey or holding a skinny old man in your lap while he watches the road, waiting for someone to wave to. You feel like waving. You feel like stopping the car and dancing around on the road. You wave instead and leave your hand out gliding, lark-like, over the wheat, over the houses. That was the poem, So This Is Nebraska by Ted Kuser. And I encourage you to search for the poem, So This Is Nebraska, and you'll find it available on the poetryfoundation.org website. And you can even hear Ted Kuzer read the poem himself. I highly recommend you check it out and see the poem as it appears on the page. It is written in what we call the quatrain form, which is stanzas of four lines each. It has a very deliberate and calm quality that I think is appropriate for what the poem is about. There's a kind of um, different sense of time and space in this poem. There is great personification as well. We have sort of two main characters, if you will, the dear old ladies of the barns, which I absolutely love the idea of likening old barns to old ladies. They have cataracts of hay and cobwebs. They hide broken tractors under their skirts. There's just something lovely and kind of funny about that personification of the barns as those dear old ladies. I see them almost like ants, A-U-N-T-S, of course. There's also this amazing truck that has basically the qualities of someone who has the time and the leisure to kick back and to watch the clouds. A pickup kicks its fenders off 
almost like someone kicking off their boots, and settles back to read the clouds. But the turn in the poem, and I think that all good poems contain a turn or a moment where we've been given something and we've been kind of lulled along and then we're surprised and kind of awoken. All of a sudden, the poem turns to us and says, you feel like that. You feel like letting your tires go flat, like letting the mice build a nest in your muffler, like being no more than a truck in the weeds. It's a strange thing. Um, We might not live in Nebraska. I personally don't, though much of the uh, subject matter of the poem would be familiar to those of us living in the Driftless. The gravel roads, riding with a slow gallop over the fields, the telephone lines, the billow of dust, the sparks of red-winged blackbirds, the barns, a Sunday afternoon, July, meadowlarks on every post, a shelter belt of cedars, hollyhocks, pollen and bees, abandoned trucks. All of these things are very familiar to us, ending with that phenomenal image of our hand gliding up like lark-like over the wheat, over the houses. But what the poem does, I think, is put us in the shoes of one who is having a kind of ecstatic moment, as we might driving some undulating hills in the driftless with the window down and kind of letting our hand hang out the window. He does what I think all great poets do, which is he invents a word. We know that Shakespeare invented, I don't have the number on hand, but hundreds of words that we use now without thinking much about them. And similarly, Tykuser invented a word, lark-like. Now, you might not have noticed when I read it aloud, but if you are looking at the poem online, you'll find that he has put the words lark and like together without a hyphen, without a dash whatsoever. It's a new word that he has created to basically describe this motion of the hand out the window. And we know if we know anything about the flight of larks that the hand has become avian. Uh, This hand that is waving out the window um, in this moment in the poem where we have been told that we feel like stopping the car and dancing around on the road We wave instead and leave our hand out gliding lark-like over the wheat, over the houses, which in a sense is sort of impossible, right? The hand, it almost takes leave of the arm (laughs) and becomes a bird. And we get a feeling that we are disappearing or kind of dissipating into the landscape. And the poem enacts that. It basically gives us the experience that the poet must have had at some point of driving the back roads of Nebraska and having this ecstatic moment um, where his hand became like a lark, lark lark-like. There's so much more to say about the poem. Um, I really feel that this poem celebrates a place that maybe is not celebrated enough, which is just as people describe the Midwest as flyover country. 
um, in a very, to me, very um, kind of uh, insulting way as a place that is worth nothing more than just flying over in a plane from coast to coast. Um, this is a poem about flight and about um, basically taking flight. Yes, being rooted, being in a particular place, which is Nebraska in this instance, on a particular day, which is a Sunday afternoon in July, but a sense too of universality, of taking leave of oneself. And the poem enacts that moment when the poet or whoever is driving feels that they are no longer merely themselves, that their hand is no longer just their hand, but is a bird taking flight over the fields and over the houses and therefore offering a different perspective. So I hope you've enjoyed So This Is Nebraska by Ted Kuzer. Let's look at another poem by Ted Kuzer. Oh, I should say too, a possible writing prompt based upon So This Is Nebraska would be to write a poem called So This Is Wisconsin or So This Is the Driftless or something of, of that effect, right? Um, and try to get at something of uh, the quality of this place, the place where you live, in the same way that Kuzer does with Nebraska and his poem. The next poem I'd like to share by Ty Kuzer is called Abandoned Farmhouse. It is also available on the Poetry Foundation website if you'd like to search for it and follow along. Abandoned Farmhouse by Ty Kuzer. He was a big man says the size of his shoes, on a pile of broken dishes by the house. A tall man, too, says the length of the bed in an upstairs room. And a good, God-fearing man, says the Bible with a broken back, on the floor below the window, dusty with sun. But not a man for farming, say the fields, cluttered with boulders and the leaky barn. A woman lived with him, says the bedroom wall, papered with lilacs and the kitchen shelves covered with oilcloth. And they had a child, says the sandbox made from a tractor tire. Money was scarce, say the jars of plum preserves and canned tomatoes sealed in the cellar hole. And the winter's cold, say the rags in the window frames. It was lonely here, says the narrow country road. Something went wrong, says the empty house in the weed-choked yard. Stones in the fields say he was not a farmer. The still-sealed jars in the cellar say she left in a nervous haste. And the child? Its toys are strewn in the yard like branches after a storm. A rubber cow, a rusty tractor with a broken plow, a doll in overalls. Something went wrong, they say. Such a powerful poem conveyed to us almost obliquely through what remains of lives. And I just wanted to take a moment to think about the point of view that the poet has employed here. There are many ways to tell the same story, right? So one can imagine, I suppose, a poem that would focus much more on the people who have to abandon this place. In other words, 
Kuzer could have located the poem on the day of the auction, or um, maybe this is morbid, but had a poem that visits their graves in the cemetery, or maybe a poem written in the voice of the man or the woman or even of the child. But instead, I think what Kuzer's unique genius uh, is in this particular piece is to recognize that things speak about their owners. They suggest things that we can kind of almost acquire a an idea via the negative, almost like looking at the negatives of a photographic uh, camera roll, right? Um, you can somehow see the picture through what is left behind better than you could see the picture um, in any other way. I think that it's a particularly lonesome poem. It is definitely a poem about rural poverty and probably changes to the condition of people living a certain kind of life. Um, one gets the sense that times have grown hard for this family. It's what, what's amazing to me is that I think in the very first image of the poem, we have a metaphor for how the poem itself is going to proceed. We learn the man's feet, the size of his feet, and the size of him as in general from the size of his shoes. He was a big man, says the size of his shoes, on a pile of broken dishes by the house. And we learn that he was a tall man from the length of the bed in the upstairs room. We learn that he's a good God-fearing man from the Bible with a broken back, which of course suggests that he's been opening the book often, but also the image of a broken back is a negative one. Um, it's a well-worn and well-loved copy of the Bible, but there's something kind of inherently broken about it. We think about the spine of a book. So I think it's interesting that he chooses the word back instead of spine. But we have a line of bees, says the Bible with a broken back on the floor below the window, dusty with sun. Such an interesting image to be dusty with sun, right? So all these things are true. He's big, he's tall, he's good, but not a man for farming, say the fields cluttered with boulders in the leaky barn. So we get a sense of a man who was maybe a little bit, you know, capable in many ways, you know, large, a large man, um, good Christian, but somehow a little bit neglectful when it comes to clearing his fields of rocks and keeping his barn roof from being leaky. And then we learn that he had a wife, and we learn this through the domestic. So the thing that tells us that he lived with a woman are the bedroom wall papered with lilacs and the kitchen shelves covered with oilcloth. And one gets the sense that there was a decency to this, that there was a, a attempt to prettify a difficult life. And they had a child, says the sandbox, made from a tractor tire. I love that image. Um, that would be 
the sandbox, right, in the country that you would just use an old tractor tire for the framing. We learn maybe what we've already suspected, that money was scarce from the fact that they've put up plum preserves and canned tomatoes. And we learn that the winters were cold from the rags and the window frames. It's a drafty old house, and they've tried to keep the draft out with these rags. My favorite line in the poem is, it was lonely here, says the narrow country road. I find that to be really, really a remarkable moment in the poem where the narrow country road says everything you need to know about what the lives of these people were like, especially in the winter. Something went wrong, we're told, in the first line of the third stanza says the empty house itself in the weed-choked yard. And then there's a repetition almost. Stones in the fields say he was not a farmer. The still-sealed jars in the cellar say she left in a nervous haste. And the child, it's a question, kind of almost as if there's a different voice in the poem that's asking questions of the poet and asking the poet to be more clear (laughs) than they have been. It's toys. We don't know whether the child was a boy or a girl, so, but I find that that's very strange, kind of, it's toys, it depersonalizes the child in a way that's, that's kind of alarming. It's toys are strewn in the yard, like branches after a storm. I'm going to talk a lot on Poet's Table about similes and how to write a good simile or a good metaphor. It's toys are strewn in the yard like, it could really be anything, right? Um, its toys are strewn in the yard, like what? And the poet can kind of fill in the blank for us. Branches after a storm is the perfect image because, well, branches after a storm are also strewn in the yard, and they also have fallen after some kind of violence. So we get the sense that something came through this family's world and strewn it caused the toys to be strewn in the yard. And then, because... Kuzer is such a fantastic poet of the particular. We learn that there was a rubber cow, a rusty tractor with a broken plow, a doll in overalls. The toys are almost microcosms of the farm as a whole, right? There's a, it's a rubber cow, probably symbolic of his father's or her father's herd. A rusty tractor with a broken plow, so even the toys, the toy tractor is breaking down. A doll in overalls, strange moment where we see a kind of miniature version of the child, but wearing maybe adult clothes. Something went wrong, they say, is the very last image. And we've already read that something went wrong. The empty house told us as much. But also the toys strewn in the yard suggest that something went wrong. It's just an incredible poem, again, in which Kuzer gives voice to those things that um, we that get left behind when something goes awry. And uh, again, the best way I can explain it is to say that We know this family via what they couldn't bring with them. And we learn something so intimate about them while not literally seeing them on the page, which is quite impressive, I think. 
an idea for a poem that you could write based upon this one is to write maybe an abandoned place poem of your own in which you try to convey something of the life of a place via all those things that have been left behind. So maybe it's an abandoned barn, abandoned storefront. Maybe it's even just a small town that's seen better days. Writing about what remains to get at something about those who have vanished. And again, that was Abandoned Farmhouse by Ted Kuzer, and it is available on the poetryfoundation.org website. Finally, a short, shorter poem by Ted Kuzer called Daddy Long Legs. Here, on fine long legs springy as steel, a life rides, sealed in a small brown pill that skims along over the basement floor wrapped up in a simple obsession. Eight legs reach out like the master ribs of a web in which some thought is caught dead center in its own small world, a thought so far from the touch of things that we can only guess at it. If mine, it would be the secret dream of walking alone across the floor of my life with an easy grace and with love enough to live on at the center of myself. Again, that's Daddy Longlegs by Ty Kuzer. It's amazing to me how he describes this daddy long legs with its fine long legs springy as steel upon which a whole life rides, sealed in a small brown pill. I dare you to look at a daddy long legs again and think about anything but a small brown pill when it comes to the daddy long legs' body. Um, that idea of it skimming along over the basement floor, wrapped up in a simple obsession. Eight legs reach out like the master ribs of a web in which some thought is caught, dead center in its own small world. A thought so far from the touch of things that we can only guess at it. I just love that rhyme of some thought is caught. It's almost as if the poem itself catches that thought within that line and within that sonic quality of thought and caught. Of course, it's dead center in its own small world, as we all are. And then the poem does make this turn, right? A thought so far from the touch of things that we can only guess at it. If mine, the poet says, considering the daddy long legs as a kind of symbol for the self, it would be the secret dream of walking alone across the floor of my life with an easy grace and with love enough to live on at the center of myself. So the poet is basically saying that in the same way that this spider seems to be wrapped in a simple obsession, to be dead center in its own small world, to have this thought that is so far from the touch of things that we can only guess at it, the poet would wish that they could walk along the floor of their life with an easy grace. So that idea of life as a floor upon which we are making our way, and with love enough to live on at the center of myself. And so, in a sense, to be true to the self and to be true to one's own experience of life, to basically be sufficient unto oneself the way that the Daddy Longlegs seems to be. Again, this is Daddy Longlegs by Ted Kuzer, also available on the website poetryfoundation.org.
So today we've spent some time with the great Nebraska poet Ted Kuser. We considered three poems. The first was So This Is Nebraska, the second Abandoned Farmhouse, the third Daddy Longlegs. It's been a pleasure sitting at Poet's Table with you this morning. I hope that you've enjoyed the work of Ted Kuser as much as I have. Until next time, be well and take care.